0: The scriptures tell us that God will show us a way of life, that he will grant us the joy of being in his presence and living with him forever. But what does that look like? And how do we walk that out? Today on the THP Online Community Podcast, we're gonna be talking about that. Hello and welcome to your THP online community podcast. This is Dallas here, your media pastor here at The Healing Place. And we're so glad to have you guys with us. Thank you so much for hitting play, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify, wherever you're finding us today. Thank you, thank you for hitting play. Today's podcast is gonna be coming from our online worship gathering, which you can take part of every Sunday at 10 a.m at our website, thvstreetport.com. Today's message, Pastor Scott continues our series, God's Promises, with our next promise found in the book of Psalms, chapter 16, verse 11. I want you to do me a favor, though. As you listen to this podcast, grab a notebook if you can. I know some of you, you may be driving down the street and listening to this, so just kind of take some mental notes. But I want to encourage you guys to really take note, and if you want to, go to our website, thvstreetport.com. We have a notes section where you can get the notes to this podcast that uh, they're all available for you guys but i want you to guys really take note what god is saying through this message i think that it's going to challenge you and by the end of this you're going to be ready to take a, to make a move you're going to make a charge towards something that god has for you and we want to be able to make, make that next step with you so listen deeply listen carefully and be ready to make a move Hey
1: there, everybody. What an amazing time we have had up to this point. And listen, we are fixing to dive right into our promise. But hey, do me a favor. Today, the reason why I'm sitting, the reason why I'm coming to you from this table, there's a purpose behind that. There's a reason why it's not just me standing and and just preaching to you or at you. There's a reason why Dallas is not here moderating. Today, I want us to gather around a table. Okay, I want, us, I want us to gather around a table. I want all of us in context to think as if we're 17, 18 years old. We're about to make some of the, the biggest decisions of our lives and our family, whether it be our father, our mother, our father and mother, whether it be guardians, whoever have created a space at a table to discuss our next steps and where we will make a decision. Like out of this conversation, we will make a decision and some of us will make a life altering decision from this moment. But I want us all to come with that context. We're gathering around a table. This isn't like a, a preachy quote unquote service. It's not, it's not me coming at you or anything like that. It's us coming together around a table getting into the Word of God, and then making a decision, okay? Making a decision, taking a step, making a move. So with that in mind, I want to read today John 10.10. Now, we're going to be in Psalm 16, so get ready to go there. But our promise from last week was John 10.10. And in John 10.10, the Word of God says this, the thief does not come. Now, this is super important. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy i have come jesus said that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly now last week you guys talked about um uh we we delved into what it means about abundant living and all those different things what theft means from the enemy and all those different things but here i want to i want to accentuate this the thief the devil does not come he does not come except right he doesn't come To bring anything good. He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Only when he can steal, kill, and destroy does he come. That's it. And he only comes for those things for which he does not have or cannot have. Like he's not coming for evil. He's not coming to steal evil. He's not coming to steal anger or rage or bitterness. He's coming to steal those things which he cannot have. This is so key. He comes to steal joy or peace or love or self-control or kindness or gentleness or righteousness. He doesn't come to steal sin. He comes to steal joy. He comes to steal peace. He comes to steal, to try to steal And if he can't steal it, he wants to destroy or he wants to to stop what God is doing in your life. Jesus, however, came, no exceptions. Like Jesus came, not accept, but he came. No matter what it meant for him, he came and he didn't come to take. He came to give. Jesus came and he died and he rose from the dead to give us life and to give it more abundantly not to steal not to kill anything not to destroy anything he came to destroy the works of the devil but as it has to do for us he came to give us life which now brings us to this week's promise psalm chapter 16 verse 11 all right psalm 16:11 so let's go there together psalm 16:11 if you're with me say i'm with you i'm with you i'm with you i'm here whatever you want to put in the chat Come on, let me, know that, let me know that you're with me right now, okay? Because again, we're gathered around a table. It's not some preacher just preaching at us. We're gathered around a table. We're discussing the issues of life. For some of us, we're discussing a path of life for us that maybe we've not taken yet. And man, we're fixing to take this journey. We're fixing to take our next step to go deeper in, in Jesus. Psalm 1611, here's our promise this week. You will show me the path of life in your presence Is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Here's how the English Standard Version says it You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. So here's the promise that God has given us in the Word. Now, listen, this is the psalmist David, right? And David knows full well about all the issues of life and all the things that come with that. But the promise here is this, the promise is a path of life, the way of life. Okay. So the promise is a way of life and then joy in his presence, not just forever and eternity, but in his presence, living in his presence. And then peace and pleasure forevermore in eternity. So it's a promise for right now the way of life, the path of life, joy in his presence and the future promise is this. For all of eternity we can be in his presence, fullness of joy and at his right hand pleasures forevermore, all of eternity, right? So it's it's not just a promise for what's to come, but it's a promise for right now for us that are living in Christ, following Jesus. Now, David, you know, David is this figure that we kind of want to lift him up and elevate him, like put him up on this pedestal, but then we realize that he's just like us, right? He, he was a king. He was, he was just this guy who, who uh, man, he, he wrestled lions. He did all this stuff, and he killed giants, and he did all this stuff. But at the same time, he's just this simple shepherd boy that when they looked at him, they said, he's not much of anything. He's not really head and shoulders above everybody else. Like, surely he's not the king. But the whole time, God had anointed him king. He didn't look like it. You may not look like it, but God has an anointing for you. Not by what the world says, but what God says about you. And that's that's the David we're talking about. We're talking about not just the David who killed the giant. We're talking about the David that looked at Bathsheba and, and he gave in to that. That's what we're talking about, okay? So David knew what it meant to follow the path and to live for the Lord. He knew the joy in the midst of despair. You can have joy in the midst of despair. Come on, somebody say amen to that in bold letters. You can live in joy. Joy is not based on your feelings. Joy is based on the Lord. Joy in the Lord. That means the day can be bad. The times can be bad. The seasons can be tough for you, but you can still have joy. Encourage yourself in the Lord. David knew about joy in the midst of despair and he believed in the eternal promise to come, right? So he also knew that this path of life, now catch this, was not safe. Put that in the chat. NOT, all caps, SAFE. He also knew this path of life wasn't routine. It wasn't just something you do. Listen, serving Jesus and following Jesus, taking up your cross, whatever phrasing you want to use... Is not easy and it is not safe, but it is amazing. Come on, put that in the chat. Amazing, right? Safe? No. Easy? No. Amazing? Yes. Okay. And this promise is not just something that God says, hey, I'm going to do this no matter what. This promise leaves space for a next step for you and I to be a part of this promise. It's not just God saying, hey, I'm just going to do this no matter what. God is leaving space for us to make a move to become a part of this promise. So over a hundred years ago, there was a term known as a one-way year uh, one way missionary, okay? One-way missionary. Come on, everybody say that with me. One-way missionary. Now, here's what that meant. That meant that they didn't necessarily pack a suitcase with all their earthly belongings and go and then come back. And, and it wasn't that they went for a couple days and then they came back. They did not pack their bags. They did what was known as packing their coffins. They knew they would never return. Now, let that sink in for a second. Let's not just blast past this, okay? Let that sink in. They knew they would never return. One-way missionary. One of those missionaries was by the name of A.W. Milne. A.W. Milne went to the South Pacific, which was New Hebrides of the South Pacific, everyone before him who had gone there every single person who had gone before to be a missionary was martyred they were murdered they were killed Aw Milne goes to this this island he goes to this place and for 35 years he lives among them he dies among them his tombstone was put in the middle of the village and here was the inscription When he came, there was no light, and when he left, there was no darkness. Come on, somebody, right? Somebody put yes, just all caps, yes, yes. A one-way missionary, A.W. Milne. When he came, there was no light, and when he died, there was no darkness. Listen, no exit strategy. He knew the path of life was not safe, yet there was joy in it. He knew it wasn't easy, but yet there was joy in it. When did safe become a focus in serving Jesus? When did safe become a focus in serving Jesus? Does God really want to lead you to a safe place to do easy things? Does God want to lead us to a safe place to do easy things? I'm not sure that Jesus died to keep us safe. Think about that for a second. Did Jesus die to keep us safe or did Jesus die to make us dangerous? Did he die? David said that his safety was found in the Lord, not in his his possessions and not in his kingship and not in earthly things. But David said his safety was found in the Lord. That's why the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. David said his safety was found in the Lord. In the presence of the Lord, that's where his safety was. Not in the things of the world. Listen, Jesus died and he rose from the dead so that now those of us who declare his name and who believe that he rose from the dead are now dangerous to who? We are dangerous to the thief who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. We have become dangerous now, not safe. We're not living in safety of the things of this world. We are safety under the, shell, uh, under the shadow of the Almighty. That's where we find our refuge so that when the dangerous things of this earth come against us, we still declare the name of Jesus and we declare the things of God and we lay our hands on the sick and we see them recover and we are anointed by God and we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and we prophesy life and not death. We prophesy to the things of the kingdom of God, not the things of this earth. And we speak now, not from a place of safety. We are under the shadow of the almighty, but the things of this earth, that's not where we find our safety. We are under the shadow of the almighty And the path of life is not safe and it is not easy, but it is good and it is amazing. Why? Because God is amazing. Not because we're amazing, but because God is amazing. Listen, faithfulness is not holding the fort down. It is tearing down the gates of hell. The will of God is not safe and it is not easy. It is daring and it is challenging. You say, well... God's not called me to Africa, so how can Shreveport, Louisiana be daring and adventurous? How can, you know, how can New Mexico be dangerous and daring and adventurous? And how can Kentucky or California, how can my construction job in California, or how can my job working for a company in Kentucky, or how can my job just uh, uh, doing whatever in Florida or wherever I'm at, Philippines, India, wherever you're at, and you're just working a job, maybe you're not in quote-unquote full-time ministry. If you have said yes to Jesus, you're in full-time ministry, period. There is no other addition to that, period. You said yes to Jesus, you're in ministry. You are ministry now. Your life is ministry now because you said yes to Jesus, not because you said yes to a church, not because you said yes to a denomination, not because you said yes to go overseas, not because you said yes to be on staff at a church, because you said yes to Jesus. Your life now is ministry. Let everything else go to the side. Right? Everybody with me say yes. Okay. Because we're, we're taking a deep dive into this. The will of God is not safe and easy. If you are in the will of God, whether that means you've got three kids and you're living in a neighborhood and, man, you go to work every day and you come home every day and, and whatever that looks like. But the will of God, whether you're in... Shreveport or Kentucky or California or overseas or wherever, the will of God is not safe and it is not easy. It is daring and it is challenging because what that means is is when you're in the will of God, you're ready at any moment to speak into somebody's life no matter where you are. In Walmart, boom, you're speaking to a single mother of three children. You don't even know she's got three kids. You don't know she's single, and you're prophesying something to her life that nobody's ever said to her before, and she's weeping in the line at Walmart, and people are mad because the line is held up because you spoke life into her. What are you going to do? That's daring. That's challenging. People are looking at you, and you're like— Get through the line, get through the line. Why are you you know what you do? You don't rush right through that. You keep prophesying to that young lady, you keep praying over that young lady, you all weep until the whole line is weeping. And even if the whole line isn't weeping, you still stand fast and you let the Lord use you in that moment. That's not easy. That's not safe. The safe thing is to, oh, let's just go through here and yes, you you do this and you do that, and oh, I'm not gonna pray for this lady because it may be uncomfortable. Mm -mm. No matter where you are, the will of God is not safe and not easy. It's daring and it's challenging. Those of you that think that serving Jesus is routine, you need to come and serve the Jesus that I know. Those of you that think that just serving Jesus is just a routine you go through, Jesus isn't just a part of your life. He needs to be your life. Complete surrender to Jesus, listen, isn't radical. It should be normal. Complete surrender to Jesus should be normal. Listen, the purpose of life is not to arrive at death safely. It's to be obedient to the Lord. It's not pack your bags. It's pack your coffin. A.W. Milne put all of his earthly possessions in a coffin, symbolically, (laughs) and said, if I never get to come back, it's just buried. And guess what? He never did come back to it. And he was buried in the middle of that village where the whole entire region knew when this guy came, there was no light, and when he died, there was no darkness. Listen, when we are born, we are spoon-fed on the front end, and we are changed on the back end. I mean, that's that's the reality. We're spoon-fed, and we're changed regularly. And the world seems to exist to serve our needs. Listen, that's fine when you're 20 weeks old, but not when you're 20 years old. In this huge expanse of galaxies and planets, we are not the center. We are not the center. Yet God sees and loves all of us together as a whole and personally and intimately, every single one of us. Because listen, at its core, sin is selfishness. My desire, my needs, my plan above everything else. We may seek God, but we don't seek Him first. Come on, everybody put that in the chat. First, all caps, first. We need to seek him first. If we're not seeking God first, guess what? It's an upside down. It's an inverted gospel. If we're not seeking him first, it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's now the gospel of Scott or the gospel of you, whatever your name is. Which leaves us with this question. Are you guys ready? Here we go. Are we following Jesus Or are we inviting Jesus to follow us? Like, are we following Jesus, or have we said, hey, Jesus, just follow me? Let me kind of do everything that I would normally do in life that I want to do, and you just be behind me and say, you're okay with that? Or are we saying, hey, burn the ships, pack the coffin, Jesus? I'm following you. That doesn't mean going overseas. That may mean crossing the street. That may mean getting up tomorrow morning and going, man, Lord, my life is yours. Whatever you want to do with it, man, I am all in Jesus. Listen, who's following whom? D.O. Moody said this, the world has yet to see what God will do with and for and through and in and by the man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. Consecration. Let's say it together. Consecration put it in the chat. If you don't know how to spell it, put it in the chat. Just make sure it's not a bad word. Make sure spell check doesn't make it a bad word. Consecration. As a matter of fact, let me C-O-N-S-E-C-R-A-T-I-O-N. Consecration. Put it in the chat. All right. Our moderators are going, man, pastor, really? But they know me, so they're all good. In response to D.L. Moody's desire for such a man or a woman, here's my question. Why not you? Why not today? That the world would see today what God will do with and for and through and in and by the man or woman who is fully and wholly consecrated to Him. That the world could see what it really means through you today. Because listen, our next step to amazing begins with consecration. Joshua 3.5 says this in the ESV. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. Okay, why are we consecrating ourselves? Why are we setting ourselves apart? For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. He will do amazing things among you. Listen, our issue to amazing, on the journey to amazing, is we try to do God's job for him. What does that mean? Well, we want to do amazing things and we want to be amazing. Well, here's the problem. We can't do amazing things and we aren't amazing. I know everybody tells us we are, but we're not. God's job is to do amazing things. Why? Because he is amazing. You know what our job is? To be consecrated. That's our job. Our job isn't to be amazing. It's to be consecrated. Because when we are, he does wonders. He does amazing things among us when we consecrate ourselves. The word consecration means to be set apart, set apart, full devotion. It means dethroning me and enthroning Jesus. One of my greatest concerns as a pastor is every week seeing faces and seeing names in our online community, and seeing some faces in our online community and on campus that I know and that I love, worshiping together, learning the word together, praying together, encouraging one another, loving one another, yet never going all in for Jesus. Listen, I cannot be satisfied as a pastor of just coming to you and giving you a word and going, man, I rocked it. Man, I nailed it. I killed it, man. I don't care if anybody listened or not. I don't care if anybody took their next step or not. God, forgive me if I ever have that. I do not want to just come to you and bring you some word and go, hey, yay, I had this many likes and this many hearts and man, this many people followed and this many people did this. I can't be satisfied with that. My greatest concern is every single week, even for myself, every single week, taking for granted those I get to be with and just worshiping and doing all these things, but yet never being all in for Jesus. We can cheapen the gospel by allowing ourselves to believe that we can spectate on the sidelines and be set apart. Being set apart doesn't mean sitting on the sidelines, being set apart means being in it. Those that are on the sidelines are not set apart. That is the world. That is the the mindset of the world. And here's what that mindset produces. That mindset produces more critics than it does disciples. You know what it means when we feel like we can be spectators and just watch everybody else do the kingdom? We become critical of how they're doing it. And now we're telling everybody how we would do it, but we don't even do it. That mindset produces more critics than disciples. We're not supposed to take up our cross and follow Jesus to make critics. It is to make disciples. What does that mean? That means to lead people to be more like Jesus, not less like Jesus and more like the world. It's more like Jesus. You know what that also does? Is It gives us just enough Jesus to be bored and not enough Jesus to set us ablaze with passion and consecration to really follow him. Listen, if you're bored following Jesus, you need to kind of figure out what Jesus you're following. Because really following Jesus and taking up your cross is not boring at all. It really isn't. Listen, you don't have to do amazing things. This may be the most freeing word you get all day. You don't have to do amazing things. Amazing begins with consecration and consecration always ends with amazing. Let me say it again. Amazing begins with consecration. And consecration always ends with amazing. What is that? That's joy in His presence. Listen, destiny is a, is, a, is a key word today. It's a tag word, even from the world, talking about destiny. But destiny is not a mystery. It's a decision. Destiny is a decision. Listen, we only have a relationship with God on His terms. We cannot change the rules of engagement. It's not safe. It's not easy. But man, oh man, is it good. Come on, put that in the chat right now. It is good. He is good. Which leads me to a man by the name of Joshua Chamberlain. Many of you may have never heard of this man's name. Joshua Chamberlain was a theology student. He was a professor. He wasn't a soldier. All right. And the call came for him to be a soldier. And you know what he did? He didn't run somewhere else to try to hide away. He answered the call. He consecrated himself. He became a colonel in the 20th Maine Volunteer Infantry Regiment, Union Army. July 2nd, 1863. That date may be familiar to some of you. 300 soldiers facing a Confederate army of thousands. Okay. Where were they? Gettysburg. Now, I know you probably know that, right? 2.30 p.m., Alabama infantry charges in, and by the end, Chamberlain had only 80 men left. He had been hit himself, yet he got up. No reinforcements coming, he had already been told. No one's coming. One round of ammo for each of the 80 men. That's it. So the rational decision is, let me surrender to the enemy. Now, bring that in the spiritual sense. Let me surrender to the enemy, the one who's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me just surrender my joy. Let me surrender my peace. Let me surrender my holiness and my righteousness. Let me surrender my obedience and my consecration. The enemy's come. I can't take it anymore, and he's come to steal it. Let me just give it up to him. Well, Chamberlain said no. And so he raises his sword, and he yells this word that we've all heard, and we've even said this at ball games. Charge, right? Charge. Now, listen, this isn't a movie. This is history. Movies have been made about this, but this is actual history, not revisionist history. This is actual history. 80 Union soldiers capture 4,000 Confederate soldiers in not days or weeks or months, but minutes. 80 capture 4,000 in minutes. Amazing and miraculous. Yes. Safe. No. Easy. No. Amazing. Yes. Here's this, this theology student who is a soldier who says, I'm not giving up charge. I'm not going to defend the fort. I'm not going to hold on to the fort. I'm going to charge. I'm going to go. Listen, the path of life and the kingdom is like that. The kingdom of God, it advances. He was asked later, how and why? Like how and why? And here's what he said. I had deep within me the inability to do nothing. The inability to do nothing. Catch that. The inability to do nothing. And I knew I may die, but I also knew I would die. I would not die with a bullet in my back. The inability to do nothing. Isn't that the standard in following Jesus? That when you follow Jesus, now you have the inability to do nothing. You have to do something. Jesus commanded us, go ye therefore. That's an advancement. That's not defending. That's going. Charge, right? And here's what he said. And he told Peter this on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Charge! And the gates of hell shall not prevail. I have to do something. Listen, this may be an opposition to rationale. Opportunities don't always knock. Some of the greatest opportunities to people throughout the centuries have not knocked. If ever. We need to knock on the door of opportunity. And sometimes, guess what? We just need to kick the door down. Or God says, listen, consecrate yourself before me and I will do wonders among you. Kick that door down. Listen, Abraham put Isaac on the altar. Man, I'm telling you, he, he had to kick down some doors of doubt and fear. He had to charge, right? Moses threw his staff down. Lord, it's completely submitted to you. I, I don't know what to do. Elisha when he sees Elijah what does he do He leaves his plowing equipment behind He's like I got to follow that guy Something's happening There's a call on my life There's something on me Peter got out of the boat Here's a guy Peter every other decision he makes is horrible (laughs) I mean Jesus is like I rebuke you Satan get behind me That's the Peter But Peter gets out of the boat Right Right Oh, but wait a second, Scott, he went under. Well, so would you. But guess what? He got out of the boat. And for a moment, when his eyes were on Jesus, focused on Jesus, we've talked about this all year, no distractions, focus on Jesus. Stay focused, my friends. You've seen me post that. You've heard me say that. Stay focused. He kept his focus on Jesus and the circumstances of life. He was above them and not under them. Charge. 120 consecrated themselves. And what happened? God did miracles among them the very next day. 3,000 come to Christ. They're baptizing people all over the city. And out of that explosion, now it's not just to the Jews, but it goes to the whole world. Refusing to be silent about Jesus. When they were told, don't speak the name, they said, we can't help but speak the name of Jesus. Charge. And here we are today. With this amazing promise, a path of life, joy in his presence, and what awaits us is pleasures forevermore. Safe? No. Easy? No way. Good? (laughs) Yes. We just need to charge. You need to charge the problem. No excuses, no fear. On the defense, no more, but advancing forward. Charge your marriage today. It's worth it. Charge your finances today. It's worth it. Charge your health today. It's worth it. Charge your addiction today. Because it's worth it? No, you're worth it. Charge your children today. Maybe your children are just going crazy. Maybe you have adult children and they're away from the Lord. Maybe you got a teenager and you're like, what happened to my baby? You need to yell charge today. Why? Because they are worth it. You need to charge your consecration today. Why? Because amazing awaits you. You need to charge your relationship today with Jesus. Why? Because he is worth it. Make a move. Don't spectate. Consecrate yourself today. What's the promise say? You, meaning God, will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The psalmist said, you will show me the path of life. It's not going to be easy or safe, but you're going to show me the path of life. And because you're with me, this is the same one that said, I'm not going to fear any evil, even in the shadow of death. Why? Because you are with me. You will show me the path of life, safe and easy, no, amazing, yes. Because in your presence there is fullness of joy. But I have a part to play. Consecrate yourself. For tomorrow, I will do wonders among you. Listen, God's promises are yes and amen. But we've got a part to play in it, right? We have a part to play in it. And so wherever you're at today, listen, we're about to kind of, I always say it, we're going to ascend out of this thing that we call this worship gathering, this online worship gathering. We're going to ascend. We're going to worship together. We're going to sing and Thank the Lord that there's a path of life and there's joy in His presence. But listen, if you haven't taken up your cross and really followed Him, you've not consecrated yourself, you need to do it. And you need to do it right now. You need to take that step. You need to dive in right now. Let our moderators know right now, I need to take a dive. I need to dive in. I need to fully follow Jesus. I've asked Him to follow me. I'm not following Him. I need to follow Him all the way. I'm yelling charge today. Seems impossible, but I'm yelling charge. I am consecrating myself. And because I'm consecrating myself, God will do amazing things among me. Because he is amazing. And So do that right now. Let our moderators know. And then also, listen, you're going you're to get some encouragement at the end of all this. And some instructions on how you can take a next step and listen to that. Take heart and make a move and take a step. But as for right now, come on, let's ascend out of this thing. Let's worship Jesus together, man. Let's just take up that mantle, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness because God is amazing and he wants to do amazing things amongst us. Come on, let's worship the Lord together.
0: Hey, thank you so much for taking time to be part of our online worship gathering today. And and if this message has challenged you, if it's spurred you to make a move, to, to charge something in your life, we want to make that move with you. We want to charge with you towards what God has for you today. And you can do that. You can reach out to us by reaching out to any of our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look for THP Shreeport. Or you can visit our website, where There's all kinds of information. There's a, there's a contact form for you guys to reach out to us. You can email us directly, mediahub at THPStreetport.com. However it is, reach out to us because we want to do life with you. We want to encourage you. We want you to become what God has called you to be. We want you to know what he's saying. And we want you to be able to do what he is calling you to do. And we want to take your next step, whatever it is, with you. We also want to invite you, if you would like to help support the ministry of The Healing Place, check out our website, thbhreeport.com, and check out our online giving, where we have a couple options for you to, to give and to support what we're doing here on a weekly basis. Not just a weekly basis, a daily basis. I'm telling you guys, we do things daily here at The Healing Place. And we would love to have you partner with us to help reach the lost and to encourage those who need the hope of Jesus. All that being said, don't forget, we love you guys. We care about you. And we are so thankful to have you as part of our THP online community.